Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Socially Savvy, broadcasting live here at Gunnar Nordstrom's Gallery. I'm your host, LB Duchess, with co-host Jason um, Rendon, who is actually en route. He got stuck in traffic, so he'll be up here just momentarily. Our guest hosts today are Greg and Stacey Lill, um, B. Rendon, um, Jason's wife, and Mr. Brett Kaufman, who's giving me funny looks already. We are here today chatting long-term relationships and marriage. So free, please feel free to give a call in at 323-843-6090 um, if you'd like to be a part of the conversation. Any opinions? Um, I'm sure there'll be many, especially when you're talking long-term relationships. There's uh, usually lots of opinions that are added in there. Um, today's show is brought to you by Pop Chips, Cascade Ice, and Gunnar Nordstrom's Gallery here in the heart of downtown Bellevue. Okay, um, I'm used to Jason being here so he could introduce the wine, but uh, I think we're going to utilize our co-host, um, Mr. Greg, here to tell us about the wine that we are using. Um, I should say that we are... Oops, that was loud. All right, yeah. And we love technology. <laughs> there you go, Greg. Thank you very much. So well, we have a Delil and, and a wine in front of us that we get to do on air today. I'm excited. Yeah. Well, I'll start with the uh, maybe with the red wine here. We got a little uh, Delil Cellars D2. This is the 2009 current vintage. It's out right now, but will probably be running out soon. The way D2 usually goes. Um, great wine blend of Merlot, Cabernet, Cabernet Franc, kind of the deuxième as we call it to our Chalur State Red. Um, just like you might have, you know, um, uh, Pavillon Rouge is to uh, Margot. This is to D2 is to uh, our Chalur State at Delil Cellars. And the white wine it comes from my lovely wife, Stacey. Uh, tonight we're drinking a little bit of O-Wine Chardonnay, uh, 2009. And the O-Wines was made by myself and business partner Kathy Johansson. Uh, o standing for opportunity, and we fund educational scholarships with the proceeds. So We're very excited to have both of you guys. And we've had the um, opportunity to enjoy your wines, and we've had both you and Kathy on the show before. Um, talking about your fabulous wines and all the different causes that you guys are a part of, and you know, particularly the education part of it, which especially these days with how education's been cut and funding's been cut. I know we've talked on you know numerous different events that have been coming up, you know, trying to support those causes. And yeah, the education is just so important, as you said, right now. And um, I'm really proud that we've funded 40 scholarships oh in my four gosh. years, which is really exciting. So. It was fun when you asked Greg and I to come on tonight and talk about marriage, which, <laughs> which we thought we needed to drink a little wine while we're talking yes, about marriage. Yes, this is the one show that we definitely had to start off the show with a glass of wine so that everybody could be mellow. <laughs> oh, well, and then, of course, there's Mr. Brett Kaufman with coffee in his hand, which has the same effect as wine on most of us. Hi, Jason. How are you? I'm fabulous. And V, how are you doing? Doing good. How are you? I'm good. Okay, so our other... Um, our other sponsor for the show is um, Black Bottle Postern, and they were so gracious to send over flatbreads from uh, their restaurant over there. Uh, typically, when we do a place here, you know, when we're here in Bellevue, they are one of our hot after-party spots because they take such great care of us. Um, and we're also very fortunate that they do carry some of the Delil wines. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna we actually, appreciate that. Yes. And actually, I'm going to have Greg tell us about the four wines that they have over there real quick. I know. I'm going to have to fix that. The um, four wines they got over there, they got the Doyen AIX, which is a Syrah Cabernet blend. 
the D2, which we're drinking right now, which is about uh, 55 Merlot, a little Cab Sauv, Cab Franc, a little tiny bit of Petit Verdot. They've got our Doyen Signature Syrah, which just got uh, 94 points in Wine Spectator this uh, past October and was one of their highly recommended wines. And then our Schlor State Blanc, which, uh, again, for I think the fifth time, made it onto the uh, Wine Enthusiast Top 100 Wines of the World wow. List for the year, which is a Sauvignon Blanc Semillon, kind nice. of a white Bordeaux-style blend. You have delicious wines, <clears throat> and I'm sure it has to do with... Um some of the relationships that you've built over time. I think relationships have a lot of, uh, the longer the relationship, there's a lot more benefits. And, and one of the reasons why I wanted to do the show on long-term relationships and, and marriage particularly is right now it's not considered popular. Um, we did a single show here with the divorce rate being at 72%. Being in a long-term relationship or um, yep. married has just not been the popular thing. Uh, and I think a lot of people, it's because they have... Um, uh, misguided ideas of what that entails and, and what the benefits are and, and, you know, what some of the hard work that goes into it is. What were the age ranges of those singles? Um, actually, the age ranges went from early 30s into um, late 40s. Yeah. Yeah. I believe so. And, well, and all of them, and I hadn't realized this when I put the show together, um, all of them had, it was, um, they'd been in a relationship, tried marriage, and that was the term they used was tried marriage, and it didn't work out. And I know for a lot of people it's difficult um, having come from that scenario, but every time I hear the word try, it makes me kind of sad. <laughs> well, fit, I, uh, was it on today, uh, a month ago, the Today Show uh, said 54% of all, all Americans are single. Yes. Or not married. Now, that doesn't mean that they don't have domestic partners. Correct. So, you know, maybe we'll touch on that too, so I don't know. Yes. Okay, so socially savvy married in a world where the divorce rate is 72%. How do you make it, and what do you do differently? Um, we have two couples here. I believe, I know, um, Jason, you guys are on your second time around. Uh, her second time. Sure, I was going to say, well, one of you guys, right? Yeah, my third. And your th- Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. I did not know that. <laughs> well, well, the first one was, was my, my son. Oh, okay. Uh, when I was in the beginning, you know, I got a girl pregnant, and I thought that's the right thing to do. Gotcha. And uh, nope, wasn't a year later. I filed for custody of my son and moved forward. Wow. And then I don't know if you. And then the second one was I did what I thought was supposed to be the right marriage. You know, you propose, you get on your knee, and you do the whole nine yards, and I was uh, obedient. It didn't really work that way. You yeah. have to when it comes to when we talk about our relationship. You, you. I think for me, when I see a lot of relationships that fail, is that there's this society's view of what marriage yeah. is. Yeah. And, and it complicates talk about that it. Later. Yeah, well, that's not it. actually, since you guys have the mic, why don't we introduce the two of you? Say, tell us how long you've been married, um, and kind of give us a little bit about how you met. And um, you know, uh, we have been married almost uh, nine years now. Been together almost ten. Uh, we met in a bar, meeting <laughs> other friends, and it's for our love of food that kind of hooks us together. Um, and basically, you know, she was waiting for somebody else, and I was waiting for somebody else, and we're, you know. We like food and wine. We're like, well, you know, since we're here, I might as well have a beer. Or have a beer. And then I saw her standing around on the corner, you know, and I said, I see you over there. And then we just started talking. And we never really, quote, unquote, dated. We called it, well, if you're not doing nothing, let's go do something. If you're not doing nothing. <laughs> Interesting approach. <laughs> well, it's like you hear that. It's like, oh, they're dating now. And it's like, well, you know, we were, both came from a marriage that we weren't really happy with. So we said we're going to do something different. You know, we have one rule in our life that rules everything is no lies. Yeah, and that's a big one. That's been the winning thing out of the whole entire thing. Yeah, I think um, 
for people that say it never works when you uh, when you meet in a bar, we're uh, living proof. The that exception. It, yeah, yeah. So, um, I think yeah, I think um, I think there's a lot of exceptions when you're yeah, in a long-term relationship. I would agree with that. I don't think that you can. I, I think to try to categorize, well, if you're going to be in a long-term relationship, you have to do A, B, and C. I think that's where a lot of people get lost. Yeah, I didn't, and we didn't plan on. I didn't plan on meeting someone that no. night. It wasn't like, oh, I'm going to go tonight and meet the love of my life. But <laughs> like Jason said, we just we just happened to to our personalities just clicked, and the next thing you know, we were dating, and then six months ma- later, we bought a house. Wow. So do you guys consider yourselves um, more like opposites attract, or do you think that you're just very much on the same wavelength in what you like and what you do? And do you think that has something to do with your age, you know, where you went the time in life when you met? Well, I think what really helped for us is we'd both been in a previous relationship. We'd both been married before. So for for us, we knew what we didn't want. Gotcha. And for me, I, I knew I didn't want the exact opposite. Um, and that's not to say that doesn't that works for everybody. I don't know, but right. for Jason and I, we have a lot in common. But we also balance each other out. You know, yeah. I'm a little more on the well. We're both high energy, but I get more anxious and I'm a little bit more of a worry wart. And he calms me down. So um, we're kind of yin and yang in that regard. Complimentary. But as far as interests go and social uh, likes and dislikes, and we're we're pretty much in sync. Like yeah. food and wine and socially. And things like that. Our views transfer over into our personal business lives too. I think you know, like we were talking one time at a, a little fun time with you over at uh, you guys' house, sharing nice, you know, bottle of wine. Oh yeah. You know, integrity, uh, truth, you know, crosses over across business and friendship. Uh, yeah. And I think that's missing in a lot of. She's my best friend. I don't really consider her married. She's just my best friend. And. You know, with aspects of being legally married, that's what it feels like. And that transfers over to other friends, too. We have a lot of good friends who are, you know, they're taking it back sometimes. And you're like, oh, it's a, you don't want to go out? That's cool. Stay home. It's like we talked earlier. It's okay to say no on Facebook. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, we actually like being around each other. You know, I like hanging yeah. out with them. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's important. <laughs> okay. So, um, Greg and Stacy, tell us a little bit about you guys and, and where you came from and... And how this has all progressed. Yeah, well, um, Greg and I are both on second marriages as well. And uh, but we've been together for almost 10 years, married for almost six. So we've been together for quite a long time. Um, and building companies together, too, different yeah, companies. We do. We, uh, not only are we you know, married, but we work together pretty much 24-7. We're together. And wow. the interesting thing is that people see us together all the time, but... We struggle with having time together. Well, yeah, and that's one of the things I was going to talk about. Um, I pulled up a bunch you, of stuff on myths on what, on being married and relationships, and um, you may not want to talk about that just yet. But no, yeah, we, yeah. So, so Greg and I have been together for a long time, and we actually met um, at a charity function. Um, philanthropic work has always been something that's important to Greg and I individually and collectively, and we were at a Lunch, um, celebrity waiters luncheon for which is for um, Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Wow! And uh, a mutual friend drugged me over to the table where Greg was a guest and introduced us. And I think we've been together almost every day since then, with very few exceptions. Wow! So, yeah. That is amazing. And um, for our listeners who are not as affiliated or into the whole wine world as we are, 
Um, Greg is a part of the Little Wine Cellars, a very successful one of the founding wine wineries over there in Woodinville. It's really been a big part of creating uh, the whole Woodinville wine country um, that we know now, where all the wine tasting is. And Stacy, you and Kathy have O wines that, of course, benefits um, you. The profits go towards scholarships, so you're a big part of the community as well. And I mean, those are huge undertakings as well as being married. Yeah. <laughs> And so now um, I'm going to chat a little bit about us. My husband's looking at me funny. Yes, you have to hold the mic. Hey. You have to turn it on. Yeah, well, he yeah he hesitates sometimes. Oh. And this would be where the humor comes in, yes. My husband and I have been together for 27 years and married for 20. It'll be 22 in September. You're going to have to talk. Yep. <laughs> So what, what what do you want me to say? Well, tell them about us from your point of view. They hear from me from all the my time. my point of view? Um, I don't know. Where did we start? Tell them where we started. Where we started? We started in high school, and I had a weak moment. No. <laughs> wow. No, we started in high school, and it was it's more of, um, I think, part of where we ended up was the we were together six years before I even asked her to marry me. We went through those those first three almost three humps of of disgruntled relationships, uh, the three and the five-year, seven-year humps. We, we got through those before we even decided. I tried to give her as, <clears throat> as many reasons to leave me as possible before I asked her to marry me, and, and I just couldn't shake her. So that's kind of the way I've always You're said that. You know, <clears throat> I don't know if it was the, the, the cowboy in me or just the, the directness, but uh, um, I think our foundation is kind of some of the stuff she's going to talk about is uh, – I'm pretty pretty blunt and pretty to the point, and I'm a no-nonsense kind of person, and I think that's part of our stability is, is we say what we mean, we mean what we say. Yeah, and I, I see today a lot, you know, just we've talked in the last two years, a lot of people a lot of people don't mean what they say anymore. True. And I think that's a that's a relationship breaker in business and in, in couples. I think because we true. see it. We see it as, you know, the people, that, when you're together after five, six years, you start to see that. But that's, <clears throat> that's kind of where what you know we have a rough a rough start trying to grow up and grow yeah. together and and mm-hmm. then you know kids right out of the get go and and 23 you know, I built businesses I've had three 23 companies kids? over no, the No 23 I was 23 when I had my first kid yeah. 23 kids <laughs> So we and building businesses and and you know you if anybody wants to get a divorce you've been through together for 10 years build a house yeah, you know, yeah, um, build a deck. Yeah, we've been through t- what two company, three companies, three building companies three companies, building, remodeling one house, and building, building a another house. one plus building family members' houses, which is stressful anyway. And yeah. and then um, you know I found ways around that. Like if you buy them a BMW before you build the house, that that solves six months of building the house problems, things like that. Just Ooh. yeah. <laughs> we're, uh, we're getting ready to embark on um, building a home together, so we'll see how that goes. Yeah, that that was a that was a mental process too. <laughs> I actually said to myself, how can you make this not so painful? Yeah. So you get them something, you know. There's, you talk about building um, a house, uh, build a deck, and just I think you can relate. Oh, you have build to, anything. Yeah, anything where you have your sweat and blood and tears, <coughs> oh, yeah. and you literally all together. Don't take each other too seriously. I know when Valari knows to let me alone when I've got that look, like I just want to scream. She's like, you know what? Do it your damn self. And she walks away. <laughs> That's all I need. <laughs> and then I'm fine. I don't know about you, but. And then. You know, so we just had the bumpy starts, been through all the stuff, and I think the biggest part of it is, from my point of view, that, that I've always kept 
in my heart from what my grandmother taught me, and my grandparents were together till death. 65 um, years? And she What's said, you got to laugh. And I've never had a problem making her laugh. And I've always laugh kept that lot. as a focus is if you can laugh about it, even if it's a day or two later, make fun of your mistakes, make fun of yourself. And, you know, for the most part, I learned through a lot of my college in psychology and criminal sociology is that you got to be able to, as a man, I, I, I find the most important thing is you got to be able to look at yourself in the mirror, stand there buck naked and tell yourself you're an idiot. And, <laughs> fix, and, that's, and that's the blunt truth. Most men don't have the ability to say, you know, I screwed up. And their, their so egos true. are so big. In business, we see it all the time. You, when you get a customer or a client or a vendor, they're always the guys want to tell you how great and how powerful and how wonderful they are. And a lot of times you can play into it, but you can see through most of them that don't know what they're talking about. Sometimes on that kind of those type of alpha type of males, you have to kind of do that. Just kind of go, okay, yeah, chill. It's okay. Yeah. Do that. I've had somebody in my personal life that I had to do that with. And at some point, you do have to. They call it a come to Jesus talk where you're just going to go, oh, yeah, buddy, yep. here it is, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. It's up to you. And yeah, I tell Lisa about that all the time. You know, sit down and just listen to me here. You know, <laughs> get this right, so. and, and I'm sure with this, this group of people, um, everybody knows what hallway sex is. What, what? Hallway yeah. sex. Yeah, I can't. Can we say that? Oh, we are on the Internet. I can say whatever I want. Oh, okay. Well, I'm As, you, guys, you guys have know about what hallway it's, sex it's is, a right? Very, it's a very vulgar communication between two people when they don't like each other at that moment. You walk past each other in the hall and you go, F you, F you too. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's how you deal with that's, it. That's, <laughs> and that's yeah. kind of one step past pillow talk. But, well, and the funny thing is, is we built a house and interestingly enough, we have no hallways. We have no hallways. I think that was intentional. We have yeah. no hallways. Might have, been. <laughs> Might have been a thought back there that just kind of happened that way. But, and it's just, I think that our, our road's been, been not an easy one. But I think the biggest thing is is laughing about, I've had the ability to laugh at myself. And, he makes me laugh all the time. And, and make her laugh. Sometimes when I don't want him to laugh. And when I don't want to laugh at him at all, he'll make me laugh. But I would say, I mean, at least from my perspective, um, you know, probably one of the toughest things you can do is grow up and grow in a relationship with somebody. And uh, I think it's almost, I would liken it to trying to start a relationship in your mid-40s when you're going through your mid-life crisis. It'd be almost the same as teenagers because you're going through those changes again, trying to redefine yourself or define yourself, figure out who you are, what you want. Uh, one of the things that came up in a conversation that we were having with friends this last weekend was... Uh, a single woman brought up a really great point. She says, um, from a women's perspective, if you're going to go looking for a relationship, you need to know what you like. And she was referring to in bed, but um, she made a really good point. If you don't know what you like in bed or in romance or in a relationship, you can't expect them to know. And mm -hmm. I started thinking about that, and then that's a two-way street, that, and that goes with everything in the relationship. You've mm -hmm. got to know what it is that you like, what it is that makes you happy so that you can explain it. Um, for us, it's tricky because we are we are, as far as I'm concerned, truly soulmates and opposites. It, well, and you guys every been through so much, how many years? Twenty seven. Twenty seven. So you've seen lots of life growth and changes and all that. My question We've to both people, of you: We had we had calculators, not phones. <laughs> well, my question <laughs> to both of you is: After you know, twenty seven years, you've seen each other grow, and and uh, and probably there are times that they're not parallel all the time. How do you get through those changes, you know, and, and, and adapt? And I think that's that's a key thing that a lot of long term relationships are missing is that I like you and I love you now, but then you start to change and then how do I deal with that? 
that um, that's probably going to be one of the biggest things we talk about today is get how do you maintain that long-term relationship? And a lot of it is is recognizing, A, you're not going to like each other every minute of every day. Um, and, and it may be for a couple of days in a row. I think the, the main thing is the focus. You have to maintain your focus on what it was that you fell in love with them because people do change. And we, we had this conversation last week. People do change from the moment, you know, they're born. They're constantly evolving and changing due to their atmosphere, the people they work with, the, the lifestyle they lead. But the basic fundamentals of who you are, um, uh, where your heart is, those types of things, those don't change. And that's what you fall in love when you fall in love with somebody. And you see the good and you see the bad. And at that moment, when you fall in love, you choose to focus on that good. What happens, in my opinion, and you guys can tell me what you think about this, is I think a lot of people, as time goes on and life gets in the way and frustrations, you have less one-on-one time or a romantic time, um, those things that bug you start to become more prominent. And you allow, you, you don't do it consciously, but you allow your focus to shift over to those negative things, mm-hmm. and you have to shift them back. And Absolutely. It's like, it's like, it's like a, a shirt. You ever had a spot on your shirt and everyone focuses on your spot yeah. and not the shirt? Yeah. That's what happens. Exactly yeah. what you're saying. earlier about being able to um, know what you want mm-hmm. you know, whether it's sexually or anything else but I think honestly it's more important not only to, to know what you want but also be able to express that yes no that's and very good articulate it partner because so many times it's, you know people are, we like to expect their partner to know immediately know either how they're feeling or what they want you know either sexually or emotionally but you have to be able to you know, stick up for yourself and say, you know, I I want this or I don't want that or I don't like that or, you know, whatever it is, being able to communicate that to your partner so that they understand it. I would agree. Yeah, totally. I think the communication piece is something that I find myself still today struggling a lot with, Stacy. where I I just um, expect her to know what I'm thinking and, and if you don't communicate, you know, I, she, she's not a mind reader. She thinks she is, but she's not a mind reader. <laughs> and um, but she, you know, I need to do a better job of communicating. And going back to one of the other points, you know, as you mentioned, you know, as a guy, you know, I learned probably 15, 20 years ago in business that, you know, when you when you didn't follow through and you didn't do something you're supposed to do, you need to step up and say, yeah. I screwed up. I'm yeah. sorry. And what can I do to fix that? And it's amazing mm-hmm. the response you'll get is so empowering, uh-huh. and yep. it, it just it, it just makes you it makes you a better person and it makes you a better business person it makes you a better relationship person because you're put it behind you put it behind you you know you say okay yep, screw it up let's go forward sorry about that showing humility is always good and yeah. humbling and not only that but you know I, I remember having to eat a lot of humble pie when I was married so <laughs> it, yep. it, it's good but it, it, it's like what you said it's just you know uh, it brings down walls. And communication can continue at that point. Exactly. And you have to really set up a safe environment for that person, for both people to be able to communicate uh, whatever subject, whatever it might be. Because uh, if you don't, then they don't feel safe enough to, to open up and let you know how they really, truly feel. Yeah, the walls start going up. I know yeah. I'm, um, because of the way I was raised, I he'll tell you, um, he communicates first. I'm the first one to shut down because I was raised in a situation where my opinions didn't um, were not something that I could voice. So I've had to learn to tell him things that I like um, and things that I don't like. Uh, so I'm not always very prominent at that until he prompts me with a poker. 
a few times. Uh, but the the whole communication thing, uh, there are so many phrases like we grew up with. It's not what you say, it's how you say it. That for somebody who is new in a relationship or, um, you know, and this is where understanding where somebody comes from can really be helpful. If you understand that certain tones of voice or certain things are going to trigger walls, um, it may not be fair that you have to approach it differently, but in order to communicate with them, sometimes that's what you have to do. Uh, you and, and, you know, and that is such a subtle thing. It, it's a big thing with me. I think just even the the inflection of your voice and, and how you, you know, punctuate yeah. what you say. Body make, language, like make, Michael saying, yeah. It's totally different than just the words. Yeah. And it can make how a big, it. big difference. And, and on the flip side, too, you got to remember that really... Ninety percent of this is your own personal attitude. Yeah. You know, because people are going to say what they're going to say. They're going to do what they're going to do, and then you have a choice how on how you want to react to it, and handle it, and deal with it. Because you you can't change what they did. That communication coming to you. Right. But you have hundred percent hundred percent control over how you can take it, how handle you it, to it, deal with it, and respond with it. Yeah. Ninety percent your own personal attitude. Well, and, and like anything else, too, I mean, we've been, again, together 27 years, and there was a time when we were younger, I'll never forget, we started a remodel. <laughs> and one of the things that came out of it was one of the terms, and we haven't used it in a long time, probably should remember it, was um, recognizing when you're emotionally responsible. Um, we are both very fiery, very, uh, we have ideas, we have, we're both very um, determined and motivated people. And so when we come head-to-head sometimes, it, it's funny uh, that you get so caught up in trying to give your... Yeah, he's over here just holding this time. <laughs> I know he just wants to thunk me. Um, but you get so caught up in trying to... Uh, impassioned by what it is that you see or you feel or you're talking about that um, at some point when you're in a heated conversation, you've got to try to figure out... Um, Find somebody's got to be the emotionally responsible one. Like you're saying, somebody's got to be able to be the one to pull back and go, this is not going anywhere, or they're not hearing me, or do they have the ability to hear me at that time? Um, it's crazy little things like that. And, you know, when you're flying off the handle or you're really gung-ho about something, being able to pull in. Uh, I think it's really important to be able to recognize when you're in those situations. Yeah. Be able to, it's okay to say, you know what, let's, Take a break from this right yeah. now, and let's revisit it at another time when we have had time to think about it or or get into a different emotional place. Right, I would agree. You wouldn't believe how how nice it is and how disarming it is when all Jason does is come up to me and he puts his arms around me and he sincerely says, I'm sorry. Yeah. And I just... Oh, he can, he can shut me up in a half yeah. a second. And, and, and that takes a lot. Yeah, it takes a lot. <laughs> and then, you know, from a guy, it really does. To be able to look somebody in the eye and, and be sincere about it and say, I'm really, really sorry. Um, but the other thing is we don't, if we do have fights or arguments, we don't let it stew for weeks on end. We we don't hold a grudge with each other. We get it out. Yeah. We get it out. Maybe we blow up a little bit, but it's over and done with. And That's something that I've had to work on because I have a tendency to shut down. Um, and it's not that I, I don't necessarily want to deal with it. I'm waiting for a more appropriate time to deal with it. And then before I know, too much time has gone by. Oh, here we go. She can wait a year. 
Well, that's different. I, that's a whole I, different but thing. But I, the way I, I work on things sometimes is, is like, again, you know, we're very opposite. He likes to, he's a fixer. <clears throat> this, this person over here will fix the problem. He will go until well, the problem is fixed. Well, I like, will like, wait see, it I, out. <laughs> but I weigh out the value of the problem, too. If it's an issue yeah. that needs to be resolved, I'll keep pushing it. If it's an issue that... Okay, we had a disagreement, and she Let wants to go. wait a year to resolve it. That's fine. But if there's, <laughs> if there's, if there's subtlety, I mean, I'm the kind of person where something that, that I want to bring up that I see a lot of guys, especially business people. You get your A personality, B personalities, your ADD, HPQRC guys that just blow it off the wall. That are go, 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 go. Which I fall in that category. There's time if it gets too quiet in our relationship. I mean, if it's going too good and everything's just moving along great, I'll mess it up. <laughs> There's I'll mess also it up just to mess it up, just to, to shake it up, to, to go to that next stage. I mean, if we go six, seven, eight months and everything's going along great, which this last you know three years has been nothing like that. But um, <laughs> this is imagine good. I'm the kind of person that says you know because I know good conflict breeds growth, it breeds prosperity. Mm-hmm. prosperity. Well, labor is not easy. Your business is going along, your relationship's going along great, and nothing's happening. I I just. I don't know if I was just born with the unique ability to go, wow, this is really too good here. We need to screw this up for a little bit and go to the next stage. And that's something that I regularly bite my tongue and go, okay, it's not time to do that anymore. It's also the right time to pick your fight. You know, when you yeah. want to say something, it's kind of like, okay, okay I'm no, not going to talk to you right now. You're talking to the wrong person on that one. It's <laughs> a week, 24 hours a day. <laughs> I've been known to get up at 3 in the morning and have a thought, you know. <laughs> Hey, wake up, wake up. No, typically oh, no. she's already up at 3 in the morning. So it's well, like, only yeah. once in a while. Okay, well, I thought we would touch base on some of the myths of being married. Just because um, a lot of people, they, for some reason, actually think that these things are true. It drives me nuts. Um, myth number one, romance will always be alive in a good marriage. Um, okay, who I, I, I can understand as a 16 or 17-year-old being enamored with the whole idea, but... With all relationships, you're in whether it be business or marriage, you're going to have things going up and things going down. You can have days where you like each other. The problems and challenges with life by itself mess with you. Yes. One of the things that um, I've told Brett several times is when we are getting distant in, in our relationship, I'll look at him and I'll go, okay, you know what? Between you and me, we've got to have less reality. We need more fantasy. And by fantasy, I mean not letting... Um, Talk about the bills, not talking about, you know, raising the kids, not talking about all those quote unquote real things and go back to a place where those things are inundating you. Uh, I think a lot of people just get caught up in in the fact that they forget that that is a part of life and you've got to compartmentalize that and protect your relationship. Can we just watch a movie today and not talk about the bills? Yes. Just watch a movie. Just let it go. That's one of the things that Greg and I um, are constantly challenged with because we we work together so closely um, day in and day out, and that we're around each other 24-7, usually working on it's business, it's kids, it's family stuff, it's bills, it's this, it's that. So we have to very consciously think about spending time together because, you know, we're at so many wine events regularly that we, we sacrifice a lot of our own personal time to be promoting our businesses. So we choose specifically to be together when we can. And um, one of the things that we're doing, um, it's a new thing we're doing this year, and you know how you always say, well, someday I'm going to do this, someday I'm going to do yes. that, someday, someday. <laughs> so we have a thing for 2012 that um, on Sundays, uh, two Sundays out of every, every month, we are going to do Someday Sunday. And we've identified which days oh those gosh. are. And so, so far this year, we've had um, two Sundays, uh, which are Someday Sunday. 
One of the first one happened to be in Hawaii, so we went on a whale watching trip, which was really oh fantastic. Oh my god, that is amazing! And then the second one happened to fall on a snow day when we were snowed in, so we made the most of that being home ourselves <sighs> together. So. We do something similar. I we love call that. It, uh, date night, where we yeah, both we go to a restaurant that we've never been to either separately or together. So for we, we wish time. we could do that, but everyone always wants to talk about wine. The yeah. wine steward, the waiter, the something. Oh, so we have to go hide. Of, yeah. Well, you're, I thing. mean, you, you're, it's like I was teasing a little bit, but you are. You're like royalty in the wine world, and it is. It's hard to get, step away from that persona and step away from that and just kind of be. Well, the, the challenge we have with that is because it is hard to go out to restaurants and have that quiet time. But if we're at home, we get caught up in, um, hey, Greg, I need to talk to you about this thing for business and that and another yeah. thing and the kids and this. And so we have to really identify our time and cut the outside world off in different ways to make sure we have time together. Yeah. That's another thing on, on relationships and dating now. When you go on a date, it's not a bro date. Don't bring your bros with you. Don't yeah. bring your girls with one you. One-on-one. You know, I see that a lot. I was listening with the single people here. They're like, oh, yeah, we went out and we're all hanging out. And it's like, well, if you want to be with someone privately, you can't invite everybody with you. You can't really, you can't get to know somebody or reconnect with them if there's always another distraction around. I would agree. Okay, myth number two, marriage makes people happy. Yeah, you can't expect your spouse to be your one source of happiness. I cannot tell you how many times I have single people going, well, they're just not making me happy. And I just want to go, well, then you're just not thinking clearly. Because under no circumstances should you ever expect the person that you're spending your life with the responsibility to make you happy. Well, the only person that can make you happy is yourself. Exactly. And I think you have to really love yourself first to be able to be available to your spouse. I agree. And to be really independent and then have your spouse as a priority and the things that you do independently and collectively hopefully make you pretty darn happy. Yeah, and on that, you made a good point, and I want to say this. Um, make your, your spouse a priority. This is one of the big, huge downfalls in relationships and long-term relationships. People have their kids, and um, wives will typically make their children the priority over their husband. Um, because of that, you know, natural nurturing instinct that goes into play. And one of the biggest things I try to caution people is you can't, you have to get together as a couple and you have to make each other a priority and then the children are a priority between the two of you. Don't put other things in front of you or you, you're not going to make it. That's a really, really good point. And I I think for people that haven't had kids, um, especially uh, mothers, you know, you naturally do that. It's a natural instinct, yes. But 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 men being men, their husbands, even with someone, and this is a proven fact, when, um, you know, mothers have a new baby, sometimes, and a lot of times, they can't help themselves. Husbands get jealous of the new baby because the mom's spending time, they're nursing and things like that. You get a little jealous. It's like, well, yeah. And you have to bring, yeah. you have to bring your spouse or that person in exactly. and be a part of it. Yeah. And it's not just newborn babies, but, but kids too. But you have to spend some time and say, you know what, you're number one tonight. Yeah. Kind of thing. Um, but the other point I, I wanted to bring up is when you were talking about the myth of uh, that, you know, your husband's going to make you happy. Um, the other thing I wanted to bring up was that, you know, it has to, it's a, it's a two-way street. I know that sounds cliche, but, you know, it's, marriage is, is hard work. Yeah. As along with the other myths is that people think it's easy. No, they're, yeah. No, no, no. You have, you have to both want work it at it you all both the time. You have to work at it all the time. It's not like, oh, I'm married and then everything's going to be awesome. I check the box and then, you know, happily ever after. It's not that way. You both have to constantly work on it. Yep. 
You were going to say something, Brett? She goes and erases it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, um, <clears throat> in regards to the kids, you know, I've heard this dozens of times about how, and it's mostly moms, you know, my kids are number one, my kids are number one. And, you know, you, you I don't know, maybe, maybe moms just think their kids are going to be home when they're 60 years old and you're 90. But my thought was get them out of the house before you're 45, and I got one that I'm going to be 50 now. So you get your kids for 19, maybe 20 years. Yeah. Well, that they, they say they're, 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 they're coming they back. back. Yes, they're coming so, back. Drake, when they come back, you usually say, do, we, do garage be converted or something? But the bottom line is, is, you know, they have the empty nest syndrome and all that, and there's been books and all sorts of articles written about it. When you're done with your kids, whether you got one or four, you have the goal other. is to have each other for the golden years, and that's the golden time where you've, you've done your job for society and humanity, you've raised great kids, and then you have each other. Well, if your thought is my kids are number one, you ain't going to make it there. I don't know anybody yet that has, that has, that has made said a that. choice. Yep. I know some dads that are, you know, my, my sons, you know, and if they go out and they go out all the time and they go snowmobiling and they go hiking, they do all this stuff, and they left mom at home. And, and she knows who I'm talking about. And he yeah. was a great guy, but he lost track of her. Four years later, they're done. I, yeah. That's so a really good It goes good point. both ways. You yeah, I read that. Um, I read uh, another study where uh, there were a lot more divorces occurring among uh, retired people, married couples. Yes, because they have nothing in common all of a sudden. Exactly. Their, their kids move away, and they didn't spend time with each other. They yeah. spent time with their kids. Their entire life was centered around their kids. That's it. So once their kids moved out of the house, they're retired and they're at home and they're like, oh, my God, we're together, but I know nothing about you. They're well, and sad, that's where that focus, divorcing. Uh, and that's where that focus, you always have to constantly pull your focus back. I'll never forget when we moved in, we had our first house was um, 1,300 and I emphasize 70 square feet. There were five of us in this little itty house, and so we were always on top of each other. And I mean, it was nice. We had a, a great, we have a close family. Our boys are still really close with us. But then we built this big, beautiful house, you know, 3,200 square feet on two floors with a 1,600-square-foot unfinished basement. And the first month and a half, where were the kids? Standing in front of our bedroom door. I mean, they were so used to being on top. And I'll never forget Brett going, go. You have your own house upstairs. Go. Uh, you know, and just trying to, uh, you know, and then we sat down and we explained to him, you know, you guys have your time. Mom and Dad need to... Um, have their time. And I think it's really important as your kids get older, you need to share with them that, hey, this is mom and dad time. Not that you're pushing them off to the side, but teach them to value the relationship between, you know, husband and wife, mother and father, um, so that as they grow up, they learn to automatically do that and make their relationship stronger. Yeah, parents, it'd be good for married parents to understand that, you know, don't feel guilty about it, because no. a lot of times kids don't want you around as much as you think. They don't, they, they're not as needy you know, as we would like to believe. Exactly. <laughs> so enjoy it. You know, kids will like that. Kids will like it when you, you spend, they see their parents spending time alone with each other. And as they oh, get yeah. older, they'll like this. Like I think it's also away. it's modeling to the kids. Yeah, and exactly. The relationship that you have between what they you do. is teaching them what a solid relationship is yeah. about. It's about. Exactly. We argue in front of our child, too. So we, do we. You know, we, we, sometimes it gets wordy, but at the same time, we also tell them, so look, we, we're arguing in front of you, but we're also resolving in front of you. This yeah. is what we do. This is not perfect. You know, we argue in front of our friends, you know. And I think, personally, when they see that, well, not crying. Ah, I'm talking. <laughs> Go in the kitchen. No. Ooh, no, uh, it's his turn. 
<laughs> no, but when you do that, it shows them it's like, you know, because in business life, too, it's not like that. You you have to be strong enough to say, I disagree with you, where you're going. Right, exactly. Okay, uh, myth number three, you won't have major problems if you're truly loving one another. That's such crap. <laughs> A good marriage doesn't just happen. It takes nurturing, openness. It takes commitment. It takes, you've got to be able to fight through it. And I think, you know, when I say this, women will, any woman who's had a child will know, you know, you go through labor to bring that child into this world. And th- that is one of the toughest things you will ever do the rest of your life. But if you understand that most things in life require that kind of dedication, focus, and commitment, whether it be for a short time or a long time, in order to nurture and have something worth keeping, it's never going to be easy. There's Anything easy is not worth your time. Our bodies labor to breathe. Why should anything else, why should we think anything else is going to be any easier? Yeah, anything worth having is worth the work. Yeah. And, and dedication and the And once you stop working, commitment. yeah, once you stop working, it dies, just like your body. You, you stop breathing, you stop laboring for breath, your body dies. And I think getting yep. back to that basic thought process, for some reason our our society thinks that it should be easy. No. Um, you guys touched on this. Greg touched on this a little bit earlier. My spouse should know my needs without me saying anything. Reality, just because you're married doesn't mean you can read their minds. Now, the funny part about this is is when... You know, actually, they send all of us guys to a class to do that, like at yeah. 16, so we, we, we can read minds. After yeah. about it's 9 assumed. or 10 years, you do get to the point where you, you're in tune enough and you like finish each other's sentences. But just because you're finishing each other's sentences does not mean you know everything that they're thinking. You do start to learn certain things. Like, okay, you I do. know that tone. That means that she's hungry. Or Yes. Well, same thing with babies. But um, I think it's really important to, to not assume. Um, I think we do get, we get uh, used to somebody and we think we know what they mean or we think they know what they're feeling. Um, and that's just not safe. And that's, that's a clear True. No, no. Um, Myth number two, cohabitation is just like marriage, but without the piece of paper. Uh, Yeah, no. There's actually studies that show cohabitation does not bring the benefits of um, the physical health, wealth, or emotional well-being that marriage does. Um, In terms of these benefits, cohabitants in the United States more closely resemble singles than married couples. They say this is due in part to the fact that cohabitants tend not to be as committed as married couples and they are more oriented towards their own personal autonomy and less to the well-being of their partner. Um, anytime you're not committed to something, it's kind of like you can't almost be pregnant or you can't almost jump into a pool. Once you leave the pool, the side of the pool, you're going to hit the water. You, I think if you are thinking that being in a non-committed relationship is going to have the same effects as a marriage, there's... I, I don't even have the words. To There's also studies that show that people who are in um, who are married actually live longer. Yes, because there healthier. are a lot of yep. health benefits associated with that, with being with someone else and being feeling like you're you have someone there that supports you and cares for you. Yep, and you care for someone else. So there's a nurturing between the two people that um, leads to a longer lifespan. Um, oh, most definitely. Miss. Mm-hmm. Um, the next myth, married people have less satisfying sex lives and less sex than single people. <laughs> you make me laugh. <laughs> According Only to large sales studies, um, married people have both more and better sex than their unmarried counterparts. Only if their communication is set. Yes. That's kind of a key thing that, that's missing some of these, is that you do have to have communication. If you don't have it, 
then it's not going to really work. Well, and, and most of these studies are based off of successful, what, what would be considered successful marriages and successful marriages encourage yeah. or include, con, you know, conversation and communication and, uh, and openness. Um, well, and, you know, along those lines, I think it's important. We talked so much about communication today, but communication is also um, may mean different things to different to to each partner in the marriage, and it's important to understand what that means to each to person your, yeah. individually. Because yeah. for me, I like a lot of communication. I like it to be very direct. I like um, clarity. I like planning. I like a lot of talking. And for Greg, I mean, we we talk a lot about you know business things and stuff like that. But when it comes to us being together, Greg feels very happy if we're just. In the same room together, yeah. it makes him happy if See, I'm just by his side or, or in. The I'm vicinity. very much that way, and sometimes it drives him right up a wall because Brett loves. To, Brett is a communicator. He talks uh, about all kinds of different things. His brain's always working, and he's a morning person, and I'm not. And in the morning when he's talking, I'm just like going, "Oh my God, I love you, but please, shush." Well, because Greg will just say, "You know what? I just like having you near me." Yeah, I like having you near me. I'm like. Wow. Well, and some people don't don't understand that, you know, part of being in a committed relationship and being comfortable with that other person, there doesn't always have to be words. That's true. I just like hanging out with her. Yeah. You know, we well, I'm being to... quiet. There's something to be said for being quiet. Yeah. I, I totally get that. I'm over there. <laughs> no, no, no. We're not, we're not teasing you. <laughs> no, I agree with you. I'm not quiet, quiet very often. Why be quiet? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, too, it depends a little bit also on your work environment. Where I work in a company where I'm CEO and I've, I've got dozens of people I'm yeah. dealing with, you know, eight, nine, ten hours a day, and she works at home, and so she's just looking at a computer screen. Well, you are, you are, but it's different than, yeah, I've got people coming into my office, I've got people that want time, that where when I get done yeah. with work, I'm kind of like, I, 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 well, I, I need to chill, and I don't need to, I don't want to, I don't want to, talk and go through some big long dissertation of my day. I just want to just like relax and have you by my side. Yeah. And just enjoy well, and just comes, being together. A lot of that comes down to the different personalities as well. I mean, I talk I'll talk a lot socially when we're out and about, but when we're home, um I really I mean, I think for uh, it's not very much that you hear me talking a lot. And he's hard to believe. He's, he's not you know, he's she sits down, gets on the computer. Well, before the computer, even before the computer, though, I mean, no, she'd bury her head in the book. Well, that's true. I, I, there are some people who are just. I'm the same way. It's funny to hear you say that because if he's in the room with me, I'm totally content. We actually had this conversation where at an event, he goes, "Well, what am I here for?" He goes, "You're off doing this, blah blah blah." And I was trying to explain to him just him being in the room. Not only did it put me at ease, but I felt like I was with him. You know, he's he's there. He's a part of my life. I'm a part of his. Um, and I think a lot of people don't understand the power of that. I think that's a really good point. Um, I'm really glad you brought that up because um, I know sometimes there's that the thing that opposites attract. But that would I mean, be for us. me. And, <laughs> yeah, and it's, that's different for every, everybody. But Jason and I are, are very very much alike um, socially. And one of the things that I told him when we first met, that I loved about him. And it sounded funny. He just he kind of laughed at me because he didn't understand. <laughs> um, but I said, I love that I can that I can take you places. <laughs> and he's like, what? what do you mean by that? He laughed at me. And I was like, well, it's hard to explain if you experience a relationship where you can't take someone uh, places with you, uh, with other people, with your friends. Oh, yeah. Um, so he's, he's very, Jason's very comfortable in his own skin. You know, we love going out together. We interact with 
with other people and it and it's really awesome. But I, I didn't I didn't realize how great it was until until I I was with someone who wasn't like that and then suddenly being with someone like Jason I was like, Wow, this is this is great. It's nice. I love yeah. it. And and not only that but when we when we go to places, you know, we can be on opposite sides of the room. But we don't have to be. We don't have to be on top each of each other. other. Yes, he exactly. He doesn't have to feel like, oh, I, you know, he's not like. I think that's where that that whole time. thing of um, taking responsibility for your yeah. own happiness comes in. Yeah, we're very secure yeah. socially. I can I can talk to other people without him, you know, getting weirded out or anything like that. I don't care if he's across the room talking to a group of people about something like that. And we come together at the end of the night, and you know, or maybe we'll come up to each other. He'll give me a hug, but we're perfectly comfortable being, you know, socially being out there, yeah. socially apart or socially independent. Yeah. And I think that's I think that's great. I love that. Well and I think that takes a lot of security. Um that brings up a really good point that I didn't have in here is uh when you're in a long term relationship, one of the biggest keys is the security of the other person. Uh he, trying to take responsibility for somebody's happiness, you can't do that, but if you recognize um, like in both Brett and I know a few people who are like this, if you recognize that somebody is not strong in a certain area or they're very insecure in another area, if you're going to be in a committed long-term relationship with them, then you probably need to understand that you don't want to do things to feed that insecurity. Um, I've seen so many relationships, um, I, can, I can think of almost a half a dozen right now that uh, – they become complacent in their relationship and they're actually feeding the destruction of that relationship by not protecting that person's insecurity. They're feeding it by their lack of paying attention, their inconsideration. Um, and, and you know, maybe it's not intentional or maybe they're just caught up in their own thing, but you do. You have to really be aware of the, the person that you've chosen to spend your life with because guess what? They're not going to have the same strengths as you do. They're going to be imperfect. They're going to do things wrong. And there are some things in life that they're just never going to be able to fix about themselves. Yeah, and it, don't expect that person to just – people do change a little bit. But yes, if someone yes. is fundamentally unsociable, a homebody, yes, and that, just that ain't doesn't never change. really interact well with other people, yeah. they're not going to suddenly be a party animal yeah. just because you are. So you I would can't agree. project. A lot of people tend to project a certain personality. Onto or somebody. I, yeah, project onto another person when they're not like that at all. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that in and of itself can, can cause a lot of problems. You have to be comfortable in your own skin and you have to be uh, secure. Yeah. yeah. Um, one of the next myths, the key to long-term marital success are good luck and romantic love. Um, one of the things that is said, Brett and I have been together long enough now where our lives have gone through different things. Um, I was a stay-at-home mom for 11, 12 years. I didn't have a, you know, really a social life outside of maybe going to a fundraiser for the kids. Um, so a lot of our world was caught up in what he was doing. Um, and people would come up to me all the time, you're so lucky, you know, he's got this great job and you get to stay home, you're so lucky. Um, and then this last year, now I started the whole show and I was the events photographer and he hears the thing, you're so lucky, you know, you, she's so wonderful, you're so lucky. The one thing that drives me nuts when people do that is it's got absolutely nothing to do with luck. It's the blessing of having somebody in your life. That's great, but luck has never had anything to do with it. When you're in a long-term relationship, it is because there's been hard work, there's been consideration, um, devotion, dedication, love. All of those are, are fundamental facts. 
Um, so rather than luck and love, the most common reason couples give their long-term marital success are committed and companionship. They define their marriage as a creation that has taken hard work, dedication, and commitment to each other and to the institution of marriage. Um, the happiest couples are friends who share lives and are compatible in interests and values. Uh, on that one little topic there, I wanted to touch base. Brett and I are very opposite. Um, I learned to appreciate the country. I learned how to um, breathe in the mountains. I learned how to see the stars all from, from him. I mean, there are things I would never have seen or experienced if it hadn't been for him. I'm the social butterfly. I love to be out with friends. I love wine. I love you know, dinner parties. I love bringing people in. Uh, Brett could have moved to Alaska and been a hermit in a heartbeat. He said so a, a million times. Uh, but recognizing that when you are in a relationship where opposites attract is uh, learning to celebrate those things, whereas normally, innately, I would probably not have gone and does, done those things. I enjoy doing them because he's shown them to me, because he's introduced me to the mountains. He's introduced me to riding horses. Um, I was in a, what do you call it, when you get on the horses and you corral the cows, what do you, a roundup. Um, and I never would have thought that I would have enjoyed that. But, you know, enjoying the part of life that, that they're attached to and and celebrate. He's I've drug him all over this state this last year and a half going to, you know, this event and he's standing there while watching me take pictures of people or I'm, you know, talking about the show or I'm interviewing people for wine and he's he he's there. Um I think it's really important if you are in an an opposites attract relationship you may not understand everything about it, but try to celebrate those differences with them and um, find something to like about them. I mean, even our choice in movies is so dramatically different. He'll look at my, my shows and he goes, you stupid soap opera shows. <laughs> you know? And I'm looking at him going, you're stupid gunslinging shows. <laughs> but I mean, I've learned, like we watched Grand Tortino, Torrentino or whatever it was. Torino last night and you know the first 20 minutes and I'm just kind of going oh my god okay this is so slow great movie and and he was this grumpy old man and I'm just like okay no no he off my lawn he was yes and he was all excited about this movie so I I grabbed my computer and I sat down and, and I actually started watching the movie and and I made a conscious effort to watch it because it's the first movie in a long time that grabbed him. And I'm sitting there, I'm watching it, and I'm listening to it, and I started to enjoy it. And by the time the movie was over, I was like, oh, okay, well, that I would not have given it the time of day had <laughs> not been for him. That's an excellent point, because you can learn a lot from each other, even stuff that you never even knew you liked. Exactly. I mean, case in point, was food. I used to, believe it or not, I used to be really, really picky before I was <laughs> I still uh, am. food. I wouldn't eat. Anything that was raw, I wouldn't eat any shellfish. I had never had lobster, crab, Oh, my God. Yeah, he introduced me to all that. Nothing like that. And there was one time we went out. I didn't even, I had, I would always get my steak well done. I know. Yeah, me too. I'm sorry. He introduced me to medium rare. (laughs) So, yeah, Jason showed me. He was like, no, you're not going to get, do not order that steak well done. (laughs) You ruined that meat. What are you talking about? Yeah. He's like, no. And I said, okay, well, can we compromise? He's like, yeah. Okay, so I'll let you order. I'll let you order medium well, and I'll order mine mid rare, and then I'll let you have a, have a bite of mine. Yeah. I took a bite of his. I was like, Oh my, oh my God, gosh. I want yours. Yeah. And then ever since then, and his rule was with me. He knew I was picky, and he knew because when we grew up, we had fish, but it was always fried fish. But yeah. But you know, I fry everything and cook everything well done. That's just you know how we ate. 
So um, his rule was just you have to try it at least once. Take a oh. bite. You're an adult, and you can spit it out. That I'm was like, Brent. You know, you're right. So <laughs> He never gave me the option to spit it out, though. I completely <laughs> opened my mind and uh, learned a whole new world, and now I'll, 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 yeah, I'm willing to say anything. <laughs> Greg goes catch and release. <laughs> oh, my God. Or, or as we call it in our, our house, our oldest, we have now the Tyler Taste Test. Yeah. Oh, my God. Because he would literally dabble, and then he'd think about it. Now life is life is interesting. Yeah, so I love being able to to learn from him. No, I I agree. I think I think you have to be willing to. I think if you're going to be in a long term relationship, you have there's a couple of uh, key points that we're going to talk about. But one of the first ones is, I think you have to be willing to always learn. You cannot ever think that you've got it nailed because you're not going to. You're going to change. Your life's going to push you guys certain ways. You're going to go through things, tough times. I mean, there's just so much that's going to happen. One of the things for me is that I was, I want to learn something new every day. I think life is full of learning. And there's yeah. so many things. Yep. And I think that, I mean, Greg has, has brought so many wonderful things into my life and taught me a lot of things. And I'd like to think that I have done the same for him. And, you know, one of the things that we have, um, Greg and I have such a, a a very deep friendship. We have a lot of passion for one another. We have a lot of similar goals and interests, but we also give each other the space to practice our own interests and things that are that we want to do on our own. I mean, Greg is really into boating. It's something that's so important to him. I like to go boating, but it's not, you know, my end all, but that is something that Greg loves, and he spends a lot of time doing it in the summer, and I'm glad that he's able to I because we work so hard. Oh yeah, and we do. We just we we really do. We're, our our schedule is so demanding with our work world that it's really wonderful to be able to, for me to see him doing something that he has such a passion for passion, yeah. and an interest in, and it makes him happy. And um, you just say the name, you know, the word boat, and, and he perks a big up. smile on his face. And well, it's the same thing with my husband Brett. I mean, he loves to go hunting and fishing. He loves to just trudge through the mountains and. Um, you know, I've never understood the women who are like, well, you know, you have a family now. You don't need, we don't need that. You don't have time for that. I mean, that is such a big part of who he is. I, there's actually times where I can see his personality start to get fussy and sour, and I'm like, go to the mountains. Just go, go hiking, go fishing, get get out of here. Because when it's something that is a part of you, if you're going to be in a relationship, you can't you can't think that that need is going to go away. Just because I don't like to go hunting and fishing. I mean, I've gone hunting with him, and I'll do it from you know time to time, and I've gone down when he's gone fishing, and I've stood on the side, and I'll play with the rocks, and I'll chase all the fish away, and <laughs> and all that. But, you know, I, I love that, because I think you do. You need to celebrate and be excited. When he leaves to go on his big hunting trip with his um, with the boys, he, he took all the boys this um, once over to his parents' house, um, yeah, I missed them, but I was so excited for the experience that they were going to have together. I thought that that was amazing. Yeah. We're going to go into an after show, and I don't care. Ha <laughs> ha. Okay, um, keys to years together. These are just a few, and I want you guys to add in some of yours that that you have found. But um, uh, through the articles that I've read and just through our experience, um, keys to living together, serve. Um, understand the definition of serve. Um, serve is an act of helpful activity. It's to help, to aid, to do someone a service. Um, I think one of the big problems with our society in general is we don't know how to serve um, on a on just intermediate level, let alone an intimate level between a husband and wife. Um, a, 
in the beginning, it was a simple thing of me making sure he had socks and underwear in his drawer. Right? And it was it, it wow. was like defiance. I mean, I would put the socks on the end of the bed. I would not. Put, I was just. I just, I hated, I hated the laundry. And then we went through some classes and I realized, you know, part of his love languages was acts of service. So just the little thing of me getting over my own anxieties and my own frustrations of growing up and doing this kind of stuff and putting them in his drawer. I mean, it was such a silly little thing, but he'd turn around and he'd secretly smile and he's like, ha, ha, ha. I think think those little things make such a difference though. They They really make a difference. And I'll tell you, in in our uh, marriage, you know, in the morning, Greg usually makes me tea in the morning, which I absolutely love. And I usually, um, you know, in the morning, Greg says, so what do we have going on tonight? What do I need to wear? What do I need to do? I get that ready for him. Crazy little things like making sure there's always um, a nice bar of soap in the shower for Greg. I do yeah. that for him. But one of the things that I love about Greg is that he asks me every day. He'll say, you know, what can I do to make your life easier today? And he asks me that every day. And it's wow. really nice. That's Twix bars, Twix bars. Yeah, it's just. I mean, it's usually things that are. I mean, they're not. It's just simple. It's, it's just simple he asks, It's a, the fact that he asks me, and whether he gets through all of it or not, that's another thing. But he asks me, and I really appreciate that. That's a really cool point. Well, I think you know, with, with acts of service, um, I know I'm going to be. You know, I'm going to. I'm going to open up a little bit here. My first marriage, and part of the reason why it failed, was that you know, if I. I had the mentality, we both had the mentality, well, if I'm going to do this for you, I'm going to, I expect certain things in return. And I think when you approach an act of service with that in mind, you're setting yourself to fail. Because if it doesn't happen, then you're going to be disappointed, and then you're going to shut down. So if you're going to do an act of service to somebody, just you do, do it, it from pure the, from the heart. Yeah. And, and not expect, you know, well, if I'm doing this for you, then this is what I should get back yeah, in return. Yeah, no, and, and that's exactly true. It'll come back. It'll come back in tenfold, but you just cut, you need to just, without selfishness yeah. that comes into it, you have to have it from your heart and make it sure it, and, and do it without the expectation of anything coming Well, and, and, you know, that's the whole point of being in a long-term relationship is you, you know, you should be celebrating those those things that are different and those things that you can do for them because that's part of the intimacy. You know, there's no way I'm going to I'm going to have a smile on my face putting socks in my kids' drawers. You know, I put them at the bottom of the stairs. I'm sorry. You guys you you're part of this family. You get to be a part of this family. Uh but in recognizing those little idiosyncrasies and the things that make your spouse smile, I think, or make them feel um confident or make them feel secure. You know, that's one thing. I I don't even think Brett knows all the little things that he's done that have helped me to grow to be a better and stronger person um, to help make me secure because growing up, I was very insecure. I mean, to this day, I can walk into a room and, and be with my peers and go, oh, okay, you know, I'm so outranked. I don't know if I've got the right things on. I don't know if I'm saying the right things. I, I have fought insecurity my whole life. And the one person who can pull me out with, you know, just a couple words is my husband. I think anybody who strives as an entrepreneur, you know, when I started the retail wine, I'd already had a restaurant. It's like, okay, I'm going to do this. And the minute that I got my sales, my sales license, I got my, you know, my uh, liquor license, who opens this big, you know, 5,000, 50,000 square foot place? A good friend of mine, Dave Lavera, has yeah. his wine world. I'm like, and you're like, oh, God. Oh, yeah. Fine. I remember you know. when that happened. Yes, we had that talk. It was like so frustrating, but yet at the same time, you're like, oh, yeah, if you can do it. I can do it. Get out of the way. You know, and I think, but there is that insecurity where you have to just push through. And that's just in relationships. You know, when I met Valaria, I saw her. I'm like, oh, I don't know if I could go out with her. Ah, screw it. Hey, what are you doing? Yeah. It's, you got to do it. 
Well, and understanding, again, I think all of us have insecurities. If you can recognize what some of them are in your spouse, you can empower them to do great things. Mm -hmm. I mean, if we'd been together 25 years when I started on this endeavor, when LB Duchess was created, um, and if you had asked me what... Uh, I would that I would if you had told me I was going to be here right now I would have laughed in your face I would have told you you are absolutely insane, um, but through all the doubts and all I mean I have had people question me you know what do you think you're doing you're in your 40s you know you have kids you you know you should be at home you should be doing this and he was the first one to go what, what are you talking go he goes I've got the kids not a big deal understanding your spouses or significant others insecurities and and feeding them to be stronger. It feeds your marriage, and it gives you a, a place in their life that nobody else can, can rival, nobody else can compete with. Yeah, and somebody once told me a long time ago that when it comes to relationships with your wife, you know, if, if you do something or do things every day that puts your spouse, r- rises them up, put them on a pedestal above you, they, they can't help with time not wanting to go, wow, they're, they're being really good to me. I, 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 I need to reciprocate. Yeah. You know, and when you think about it, that you know that's really what you want. You know, yeah. then you end up with a great relationship. Sometimes it's versus hard. trying to fight them. <laughs> of course you have, dear. <laughs> of course you have. And I have too. Just like you, you went to wow. L.A. this weekend to play with your friends, and, said, and it was great. And she's down there, and she calls me up, and she's shopping. She goes, "I found you these really cool shoes. Should I get them for you." I said, "Oh, that'd be great. Thank you so much." Yeah. I and I think you know those are some of the the keys. Um, I think we'll we'll pop into this here um, keys to years together. We you know obviously went into serving. Um, one of the big ones, um, Brett will tell everybody is we laugh all the time. And we laugh. I mean, and when I say we laugh all the time, I mean daily. We are there is rarely a day that goes by that we are not gut wrenching laughing. And usually we're making fun of something that we've done. Uh, or yep. no, you, no, no. Usually it's us making fun of something I've done. Hey, I, I don't make fun of what <laughs> you've done, but he is the first one to make fun of what he's doing, and and he'll get a laugh out of me. I mean, on the worst possible day, he will get me and can pull me out of a hole. So laughter, I think, is huge in any kind of a long-term yeah. relationship. Um, creating adventure. I think a lot of people get stuck in that, okay, we're married, okay, we have kids, okay, we've got the house, okay, now what? You've got to be willing to create that adventure. Um, I love I love your Someday Sundays. I, I want to adopt that. I absolutely mm-hmm. want to do the once a month, do a Someday Sunday, something you know that you're always talking, well, someday we're going to do this. Um, I love that. I mean, and even if it's stuff like go down to Pike Place Market and look around there or Go up into Space Needle or do, well, you know, all these touristy things that people come to Seattle to do. How many oh, yeah. of us do those regularly or, at, you know? Go ride the ducks. I mean, well, our yeah, cousins. Saying, a lot of us, ex- a lot of us own the where ducks, we're at now in our 40s, you know, we have, like, relatives that own these these types of facilities, like the ducks and different things. And we've never been on them. You know, mm-hmm. like, like, you okay, know, we did the ducks. You know, my cousin, cousin Dave, you know, he owns a big do that. yacht and this <laughs> big sailboat. Like fifty-eight footer down, down. On, and I've never been. He's invited. We just we've never done that because we don't take the time on a Sunday to go do that. I, I love that. We did we did ducks two summers ago when we had my um, niece and nephew in town. Oh, and fun. and why did we have to wait for a niece and nephew to come to town to yeah, do it? Right. And exactly. then we thought, wouldn't it be fun to get a group of adults to go sometime oh. and go have like <gasps> a wine ride? The ducks I was gonna say something. I think we need to do a, a wine ride the ducks it's because kind of that would be a blast. It's, it's, it's local. It's sometimes and couples. Yeah, we should. There we go. 
I like it's, that. It's doing stuff. It's like when you look back and people, you know, go, hey, man, you guys did a lot this summer. And then we look at each other. We did? Wow. We we want to do that. And we didn't get to do that. Oh, we didn't get to do that. Yeah. Oh, dang. You know, and you look back and you're like, well, I guess we did do a lot of stuff. But One of the things he brought, um, brought up yesterday, and we've been talking about it for what, uh, like a year, two years, um, was yoga. And so um, today, in, in the middle of one of our more interesting days, uh, I found out when all the yoga classes were. And so we're going to decide on what day we're going to go, and we're going to go do the yoga class together. I love the, I love yeah. the someday. I think create that it does. You create your yeah. We'll do that day. yoga class someday. Someday, <laughs> Mart Alec. Yeah, hot but, yoga. You know, one thing is that our Greg and I are so blessed because our life is full of so much adventure because of the business yep. that the we're wine. in, yeah. and so we get to do so many really amazing and fascinating things, and we have to really pinch ourselves a lot and say. Wow, we get to do this, we get to do that. Where you know, I was just I was in LA this weekend on a on a girls trip. But Greg and I do a lot of um, travel for work and do these cruises that we did last year to the Mediterranean and to the Caribbean. Yes, and, and we're going to be bringing that up here towards the end of the show because you've got another one coming up. Yeah, we do. So excited. Teaser. Okay, um, dream for the future. There. Um, this is one of those things. I think people get to a point where they've had their kids and they think that for the most part their dreams are over. Uh, Brett and I have a 19-year-old, a 16-year-old, and a 13-year-old, and we are planning for the building of our final house. And our kids have been a part of this dream for, I mean, when we built the first house for the last 15 years. And there's nothing that is more um, alluring or sexy or um, that brings people together than to have a common goal that's exciting, something that you get to work towards. Uh, I really feel like it's important to have that. When uh, we were struggling our hardest, we we had let go of our dreams. And just by the grace of God, we grabbed a hold of one by the shirt tails and it started to pull us out again. And that's the thing. You have to keep pushing. I was a single dad. So when I had my son and I fought for custody and I said, no, that's what I want to do. Too many people say, well, your life's over now. It's done. You can't go have those nice food that you can. We go hang out in the bar. I hate I'm like, that. Oh, yeah? Watch this. Yeah. I take my son Alex with me everywhere. I didn't get to sit in the bar, but now at age 20, he's got a palate that blows mine away. I was going to say rivals probably. Just goes. But at the same time, I also showed him he's also a sort of extrovert a little bit, you know, to do something. That's but a... Your, your dream you own. Only you own the dream. Yeah. Celebrate it. You know, on that note, Greg and I are big believers of, um, you know, planning things in our future that we look forward to. Yeah. Because it does, it creates excitement and and really um, fun things. And one of the things that we're working on right now for our family is that when we have two daughters, 20 and 23, and they're the uh, younger one's uh, a sophomore over at WSU. The old one works for a technology wow. company. She does live at home. Um, she came back, she lived out on her own for a while and then came back because a lot of kids these days I have a hard that. time making it on their own. So no, she's I love home that you saving got, money. I think that's awesome. Yeah. But we are working on, um, we have property up in San Juan and we're working with an architect to, um, on our building plans and we'll be breaking ground here in the next year. And the plan for that property is to go up and spend time with our family and our friends okay, see, and build that. a legacy, you know, a, a continued legacy, not only with our wine businesses, but to have a place where our family and friends go to celebrate each other and yes. enjoy each other and just have a great time. We can have our kids, our friends, grandkids, the list goes on. Well, and that feeds into the final thing that I was going to say here is celebrate as often as you can. Um, part of our plans to build our final house is, um, you guys remember the TV show Dallas? 
where all the kids live together. Um, in the the construction of building this final house, it, the stairs go up and split, and you have two sides. And we're creating master suites for all of the kids and a nursery and a place where they can come, spend the weekend with us, spend a week with us. I, I don't care if you live down the street or live across the United States. If you create an environment, then they're going to, you know, they're going to come around. They will come. Yeah, exactly. Um, and But going back to that, celebrating as often as you can. There are so many things in life that drag you down, so many um, obstacles that can get thrown at you. And you've got to find the little things in life to celebrate uh, to keep you going. It's like we just put out, and we're going to talk about events here in a, in a minute on a public side, that I just put out an event to a private group of people that uh, we're going to Mexico at the end of March. And those are the things that we plan for. Those are the things that keep us moving and going and looking forward to and, and the experiences. Uh, those are all relevant and really important in, in any relationship, and you've got to keep those moving. Okay, um, let's see here. I think we're going to jump fast. We've talked about communication. We've talked about date nights. It's funny how we've just talked about most of this stuff. Um, we've talked about celebrating each other's differences. Um, this last one is one that I think is a great way to kind of wrap things up. Uh, and my husband has been the one to say this the most. Remember, love is a verb. It's an action. I think um, too many people get wrapped up that love is a feeling. And if you think of love as a feeling, you're looking at it from a very selfish point of view because feeling has to do with what you are internalizing. Love as a verb is the action of love in which you're serving. So you think of it as, if you think of it as a noun, it's think of, of possession or something that you have, yes. have to have. And it, is, it becomes a very selfish thing. That's true. Yeah. So remember, it's a verb. It's an action. And act on it. Um, he's much better at it than I am. I can admit that. It's on air. See, now you can record. You can play this back over and over and over again for me. You know, I'm just letting you run and run and yes, run. Yes, I know. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm relishing in the moment. Yes. So some of the do's and don'ts of being in a long-term relationship. Um, don't expect to feel the same about each other every minute of every day. Don't focus on the things that they do that you don't like. Most of those have been there all along, and you fell in love with them anyway, so don't change the focus now. Think life won't change you. Be aware of how changes affect your relationship. On that quick, don't change things. As being a good spouse or a good uh, person, good friend, sometimes you might want to bring something up that's like, I feel that you might be doing this. Are you aware of that? That's very helpful, yeah. And again, it's how you present it. Yeah. Understanding. Um, Don't give up. Regret is usually from things you didn't do. Uh, I cannot tell you how many people who made it 10 years, made it 15 years, and then gave up five, ten years later go, you know, that was really a mistake. You know, I'm sorry I walked away from you. And uh, we have uh, some personal, my husband and I have some personal people. Let me tell them. So so the, the example of that is, and we've known a few people in our life, is my parents divorced after I believe it was 15, 17 years. No communication. Well, it was just the 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 ideology that my mom had was, you know, I came first. I was her little baby, and I'm not going to go in the mountains with my dad at 18 months old up there in the wilderness. And she wasn't going to go anymore. And he eventually said, well, I'm going to find somebody else to go. So after two, three years, you know, here they are divorced. The, that, that soulmate, that love never leaves. So they both got remarried. Long story short, they both got divorced again, and they're back together and been together for another 15 years. Wow. So 
him he was supposed to die at 42 and then at 50 and then at 60 and last year he had a heart attack and stubborn he's the only guy in life we know that can really screw up dying but um he just turned wow. 70 and, and they're I'm they're still together but the one thing that they fight today is is that communication and he's losing that service thing and you know he's finished this big beautiful cabin house they built and that kept his dream going. that kept them going for a long time you know if you don't keep that dream going now he's starting to get complacent and sit around and you know, and you got to find something. So, like, they're doing the trip to Arizona now. So oh, awesome. they're trying to find things to keep that going all the time. But, but that never changes. You, the, the thing that broke that relationship was mainly communication. When you really analyze it, it was communication and Serving. making the child first. Yeah. Well, I really think that modern relationships have changed, and the way men and women interact today is so significantly significantly different than how our parents' era was. Oh, yeah. But at the same time, if we individually take responsibility for ourselves and our relationships, you know, individually and collectively, and make it work for who we are as people and keep that communication, all the things oh, you're yeah. talking about, it's, it's, the onus is on us to make it work and to not give up and to work hard and to work with our spouse. Well, and the basic fundamentals of a relationship have been there through the centuries, through um, you know, industrial technology, um, you know, going from, from herding to farming to all those changes, the basic fundamentals of a relationship, of a long-term relationship have never changed. Mm -hmm. Um, what, what changed was our focus and where, as there were less excuses, you know, the last several thousand years and the last hundred years, we've come up with excuses to justify in a generation, in a time of me, 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 and it's about me, and I deserve to be happy. I deserve this. I deserve that. Um, we have skewed what the the original intent of a long-term relationship was for. And also, what I think is even more important is I think we've lost sight of, of all the benefits and the joy that can come from uh, walking through life with somebody and, and witnessing. You know, a long-term relationship means I get to witness your entire life. I get to witness yes. every every fall you make, every step you make. Um, uh, you know, we have a joke between us, don't start without me, and that's anything. Don't start without me. I'm I'm in this relationship with you. Mm -hmm. um, we, If you fall down, I'm there to pick you up. Uh, we did a sociology class together in college in the very beginning. The the whole thesis of the class was, um, okay, so if your significant other or spouse cheated on you, how many of you would get divorced? Okay, 85% of the people raised their hand immediately. They were Everybody was fired off. They were just infuriated. If they, blah, 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 blah. By the time they got done with the class, it had switched. Only 15% would, would, would walk away because through the course of the class, they showed how the responsibility, if you're in a relationship, you need to look in the mirror. The spot responsibility for them going out and doing something falls on you, too. You have to look and go, what did I do that could have made them feel that this was the only way out, that this was their only option? Yeah, see, one of the, on that note, there, one of the things that I want to bring, I don't know where it falls in here, what you're talking about, is long-term relationships and what I see in a lot of the, the younger people about how they react to situations is, is a lot of the counsel they're getting now in the last 10, 15 years, I mean, we've walked the journey listening to this. Oh, my gosh. It's all on the negative side. It's all on yeah. how do you react to something. And so their perception of, you know, it's like we've always joked, you know, getting you get marriage counseling just to help you through tough times, and you go to counseling. Right. I told Lisa, I said, I, I'm more than willing to go ruin the psychologist. <laughs> um, because the first thing I, I ask is, you know, 
they're still human beings, and they fall into those statistics. And if you look at it, most marriage counselors are, have been divorced. So you can't learn something from the people that haven't done it. You know, it is a negative. It is it, a negative. It is, there's a lot of we negative. Have friends that are in marriage counseling, and, and they're going to psychologists, and, they're going, and that's not a bad thing. But the reason Make that, sure that we, they're we've, accredited always kind of, we've always kind of fought through our issues and, and then comically worked our way out of them because, well, if you can find a psychiatrist that can outdo me, and i got criminal psychology, a sociology background, I'm, I'm more than happy to ruin that person's life. Because, <laughs> because the first question I'm asked is, are you qualified? Have you been married? Yes. Have you been divorced? Yes. Sorry, you're out. You haven't succeeded, so don't tell me. I told my mom that years ago. That she was wanted to be my pretty. mom, and that was one of our big conflicts is that, well, I can teach you things. I said, Mom, you've never succeeded. Take your you counsel from somebody journey. who has to. That's a really good learn, point. You can't yeah. learn, and, and a lot of these kids nowadays, the 18 to 35 year olds, they learn from a generation who didn't succeed. Right. You can tell people if you've been divorced, you can tell people what not to do. Right. But if I was going to go learn how to make wine, Greg would be the first person I would well, talk Greg, to. I can make wine. I've done it before. I made five <laughs> gallons of, of raisin wine. It was great. I spilled all the way down the stairs. Josh got it on my feet. But, you, but to do it right, you have to learn from those who have done it right before Successfully. You. And I think there's too many marriage counselors, psychologists, and all these people out here. They're educated people. they got doctorate degrees. But they haven't succeeded in the mere thing they're trying to teach. Well, it's fixing the, the, the entitlement mentality. You know, I'm reading Facebook and about this other... Uh, person who's social and they're talking about relationships. She's supposed to be oh my god, and no, then they said, said something where it's kind of like, oh, well, I was dating this guy for like five weeks and then they disappeared. And half the people in the replies are like, oh, well, he's married or he's cheating, everything else. I'm like, maybe he died. Maybe he doesn't like the girl. Why does it have to be immediately he's doing something wrong? Or maybe just like me, went on a walkabout. When I walk about, it, 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 it is. There's a lot. There's a lot to be said about you know the. the I think that the frustration with tr- trying to create a long-term relationship these days is there is so much negative, and there's not a whole lot of support to, to stay well, married. You have too many people going, oh well, he's just not taking care of you. He's no good for you anyway. And um, I've had jumping to conclusions on do. that about not taking personal responsibility or looking mm-hmm. in the mirror and yes. looking at what they did to possibly contribute or, and or giving the person the benefit of the doubt. Or understanding that a relationship is a difficult thing. I mean, I feel very fortunate. I have um, one, I have, actually have two, but only one that I talk to uh, when I'm frustrated with him. And, you know, it's like I can't talk to him, so I talk with her. And on the flip side, she struggles with her own marriage and her own things. Um, but the difference is, is we're positive with each other. She and I are constantly reminding each other, you know, this is where he's at, or this is where he's at, and this is what's going on, you know, and celebrating. On the flip side, this other person has somebody counseling their significant other that's like, oh, well, you don't deserve that. Oh, well, well, that's just not right. If you're going to be a friend to somebody and you believe in a long-term relationship, you need to be that person that says, okay, let's sit down and let's really think about this. Okay, you know, A and B and C, you know, they, exactly. Don't be that person that sits there and goes, well, you know, um, you can walk away at any time because you start down that road and, and you're done. And it's such a sad, sad thing because there, there are so many joys in, in being able to celebrate life with somebody long term. And well, Brett and I go places now and there is so much of life that we don't even have to. You do get to that point where you don't have to talk about everything, where we know each other well enough that uh, it just takes it to a different level. And it's so hard to explain that. Well, I think people, when they go to counseling and what have you, I think people are often always trying to find an answer. 
and not when you're going to a counselor that they you should be looking for tools to be added to your tools, you know, not, not an answer, but more yeah. tools for your toolbox to yeah. to help you in your relationship. If you're going to a counselor, get a checkup. You're you're yeah. you're tuning up the engine and you're getting the tools you need to keep going. Sometimes I think people also go to you know the therapist and 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 trying to figure out a an excuse on why things are happening or why they're 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 right. not going right. Yeah. So. Um, the I other thing that they do, they go to a counselor because they think that counselor is going to tell their partner that yes, they're you're going to wrong. reaffirm yeah. why. Yeah. why. Exactly. Exactly. See, yeah. I, I was right. You're see, wrong. Yeah. yeah. See, yeah. I told you. I told you you were doing that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I just look in the mirror, and that usually gets rid of the counselor issue right away. You know, I'm just because I know if I can screw myself up, I'm definitely going to screw them up. So. Yeah, no, the whole relationship. Well, you guys, I want to thank you so much for for being here and talking about this. Uh, you know, we didn't have any major blow-ups, which was awesome. <laughs> and, um, yes, no. And so it, it was good. I think uh, moving forward, well, we're going to try to do um, an, a show like once every couple months, one on being single and one on um, being in relationships and, and touch base a little bit more intimately on some of the stuff. But before we leave, of course, Socially Savvy is all about being social. And in being social, you need to know what is going on, what's happening, and what's coming up. So um, I'm going to touch base with a couple of events that are coming up. And I know that um, Greg and Stacy have some fabulous events coming up. So um if you're looking for what's going on, go ahead and check out our Socially Savvy or any of our web, our, our Facebook pages because we're constantly listing and tagging events that we feel are fun and bring people together in a positive manner. Um, being Socially Savvy is truly about finding the best ways in, in interacting with other people. So um, we try to do the homework for you. Um, some of the events that are coming up are Thursday, January 26th at Cucumber Lounge. Chick Chat is doing their first event. Um, it's $35. It, they're kicking off their new year with a spa soiree, um, a limit of 30 guests. So um, they all get to choose a mini spa service and uh, uh, check out some of the other services that they have going on. They always do their swag bags and um, have guest speakers uh, coming in. So check that out at Chick Chat or on the Socially Savvy page. Um, Nordstrom's is doing their Winterize Your Skin January 27th and 28th at Bellevue Nordstrom's from 11 to 7. All the lines are going um, to have nationals coming in to do appointments. They're encouraging you to bring up your makeup bags. Um, I know a lot of people think that whenever you go to these events, it's all about buying and buying and buying. And this particular event, they're encouraging you to bring in your makeup bag. Let's talk about the holes that you have, the things that maybe you need to fill in, um, and figure out, you know, what do you need to do to get through the, the rest of the winter? A lot of people get really frustrated with their skin. I know, Gar- you know, Greg, we gotta get you. You'd look great in pinks. You really would. <laughs> no makeup bag. <laughs> Trying to get in my moisturizer. I know. It's a start, right? Um, Corks and Canvas has an event at Saturday at Apex Tasting Room in Woodenville. It's $35, um, and you'll walk through painting a fabulous um, picture. On the weekends, they start out with mimosas. Um, so that's always fun. If you've been intimidated by art, it's a great way to get introduced and um, have a good time with, with friends or um, even a date night. I think it's a lot of fun. Um, Stacey, you guys have a couple of things coming up this weekend as well. We're really excited to hear about. Um, well, we've got some, some things uh, not necessarily this weekend, but we have some things coming up um, along the road here. So we've got 
this next uh, Thursday night's a big uh, poncho wine auction kickoff party. Yes, that's the one. And we're so excited because the poncho um, international wine auction is May 11th this year. So put that on your calendar for those of you enophiles out there. It's a big wine auction. It's really a lot of fun. Uh, the focus on French wines and, of course, lots of Washington wines. Uh, we have a winemaker dinner coming up at uh, DeLille. Greg and I do a lot of winemaker dinners where we've donated um, dinners to auctions, and then we get to do redemption dinners, and we always get to have, you know, invariably it's always really fun people that buy these dinners, and we get to mix and mingle with new and old friends oftentimes and have a great time. We've got one coming up um, next week that uh, was from the Rivkin auction last year, so that will be really fun. fun. Uh, the Ryther auction that is taking place at Columbia Winery on February 11th. We're participating in that. Same night, we've got a big winemaker dinner out at Russell Lowell. He's doing a winemaker dinner out of his barn. Um, there will be in Woodenville. Uh, o Wines and DeLille Wines are being featured. So oh, wonderful. We get to have up. both. <laughs> yeah. And then one of our, our biggest thing we've got going on this year with DeLille that Greg and I are so excited about is that we have a wine, dine, and jazz at sea which is a cruise to Tahiti. I was. Um, this is what I'm excited. I might. I think we need, may need to plan for, for those this. that didn't come in here. There's Ooh. a beautiful brochure, and you can see it's on the, the Paul clear Gauguin. Yeah, water. It's, it's beautiful. And uh, so French Polynesia. That's September 29th through October 6th, and you can go to the Delille Cellars website or find food and wine cruises. You know what's on there? You get to have the the celebrity chef Kevin. Uh, Lesbie, yeah, Mr. Bacon. Chef. Yes. Oh and my um, gosh, that'd be so much fun. It's just wonderful. And we're looking at it, we're like, oh. Kevin will be doing some uh, different uh, uh, dining seminars. And things I think well. I'm going to have to see if we can maybe get us over there and we could do some socially savvy live broadcasts we from could. this. I think yeah. this would be a fun event to do. Well, and the fun thing, too, is we've got all these jazz musicians, Eric Marienthal, and a bunch of guys One coming week. down. So there's One concerts week. every night. And But we, we did this last year in the Mediterranean, and we had a great trip from Rome to Nice. We were at the Monaco Grand Prix. We were at the Cannes Film Festival. But what was really fun is that we chartered the entire ship. Oh, so my God. So this will be like 340 people that are kind of in the same mindset. Yep. And it's really fun to watch them come up at, at you know at noon to you know go to the pool, let's say, or whatever. And you walk up to the bar, and on the Paul Gauguin Cruise Line where we're doing this, you know, all your beverages are, are free. Everything's, you know, complimentary. It's but they walk up and they they have a selection of, you know, four DeLille wines for free. I love it. And they're, you know, and our wines are, you know, 35 to 135 bucks a say, bottle. I yours are awesome. And um, <laughs> now they get it for free for a week. Wow. And that's just kind of thrown in. It's not an add-on to the cruise price. And it's uh, it's fun to watch the people just really have a fun time. And what was really cool is a lot of these guests that were on our med cruise are now going out to dinner together. They've fo- they've uh, you know formed yep. these new relationships. It's it's really been fun to watch it grow. And we've probably got about a third of the ship or people that were on the Mediterranean with us last May. Oh wow! I'm so excited. I know when you guys brought this, I'm going to take one of these home, and it falls into one of my husband's passions of um, archery hunting. It's right in the middle. Okay, so well, I'll probably have to fly him in on on a special flight. Right. <laughs> But uh, it, it really I mean, the cruises I'm are fun. So excited! Well, and I've never been on a cruise. So, and somebody oh. who's never been on a cruise, I think if you go with, um, I've always been told if you're going to do something for the first time and you've not done it, do it with friends or with people that, you know, show you the way. Show you the way, yes. and I would love that. Right and it's a smaller ship, so as Greg said, there's only about 350 passengers. That'd be our anniversary that, weekend, wouldn't it? it, it it's very intimate. Years. 
it's fun. People oh, get I love to really it. a lot of great camaraderie, like Greg said, that develops. And so we can go to the the Little Sellers um, site to see that, right? You can see that there, or you can go to finefoodandwinecruise.com. Okay, I'm going to be posting that one. That one's fun. Um, we have another event that's coming up that Socially Savvy is very excited to be a part of, and that is February 18th, Venice is Sinking at Club Sur in Seattle. Venice is Sinking is a gorgeous, sexy festival affair that is a delight for the senses. Much like the carnival in Venice, Venice is Sinking celebrates the world music and tantalizing party goes with performances by burlesque dancers, aerialists, fire performers, contortionists, acrobats, jugglers, musicians, and more. Um, I was um, privileged to be at this event last year, and it's been a sellout the last four years. So um, this year, the venue is a little bit smaller. There's only going to be able to be 400 people. Last year, there was over 600 who showed up. And Socially Savvy is um, the one putting together the VIP swag bags for both gold and silver VIP levels. So Can we buy tickets now? We can buy tickets now. The, there's over a third of the tickets sold. Uh, the key to this event is it is a masked ball, so you are required to wear a mask. And when I say required, if you show up at the front door, um, you have the choice to go buy one because um, the was it the costume store from Bellevue is there, and uh, you can buy a mask there or um, show up. But if you do not have a mask, you are not ent- allowed in. So it's truly meant to be a full experience. They hope that you will wear your mask the entire time to feed into the whole ambiance in front of it. Uh, people's clothing and dress is amazing. And to boot, we have contests for both men, for both best men's, women's, um, most unique and best couples. So uh, definitely, if you are creative, it's a fun, fun time to uh, bring out your creative side of you. The tickets are at www.carnivalseattle.com. $75 for general admission. Silver VIP is $135. It's sold as a table of four for $500. Um, VIP gold is $160 a person. Um, and that includes both the goodie bag and you get front row seating for all of the performances as well as some other amazing stuff that I'm not going to quite divulge yet for VIP. <laughs> Um, we have um, some other things coming up. Uh, let's see here. Where am I? For those of you who are listening, you guys should show up at these events. There's wine to taste. Oh, yes. There's some, uh, this time there's shortbread pizzas, I think. Oh, this is the flatbread from the flatbread. Yes, Black Bottle. The uh, little wines, which are outstanding. I brought in some vintage oh, wine, sodas, vintage sodas that are with cane sugar. And then you get to enjoy the atmosphere and the people here. And so we always give away swag bags, too. So mm-hmm. I think you guys have a couple more events to tell us about before we wrap well, up. Well, you know, one thing in talking what he just mentioned, um, we're talking about marriage here. And uh, one of the great great things here tonight has been this gorgonzola and pear flatbread with oh, the Chalor yes. State Blanc. Talking oh, about a great marriage. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that bottle's empty, isn't it? It, it, yeah, that, it no, is. That, that was a good marriage. And nobody got upset. And, everybody, and they both loved each other very yes, much. Yes, there was no arguing. Yeah, and we also, have, uh, speaking of wine, we have a release coming up uh, that same weekend, the 11th and 12th, at the Delos Cellar Chateau. It's only open for private events a few oh. times a year, but we're releasing the uh, Chaleur State Red and the Harrison Hill, the 2009 vintages, and that'll be Saturday and Sunday from about 11 to 5 on both days. So oh, wonderful. Come on by. Yes, most definitely. And, and you know, again, these are these are the events that if, if you are one of those people you don't get a chance to get out very often or you're kind of intimidated I think wine events are a great way to get out there and meet people because wine enthusiasts love that not only do the winemakers love to share about their wine, but people who drink wine love 
to be social. So um, check out some of these places. Check out some of these events. You can go to O'Wines. You can go to DeLille Cellars. Um, both Socially Savvy and LB Duchess will be posting some of these events on their pages as well. So um, if you have questions, post them on our page, and we're happy to send you the information. So Wonderful time. Yes, wonderful time. Thank you, everybody, for being here. We want to thank our... Um, our uh, sponsors for tonight, DeLille Cellars, O-Wines, Go Girl Energy Drinks, Pop Chips, Sweet Talk Wipes, Bellevue Nordstrom Cosmetics, Eye Candy Lash Boutique, um, Jesse at Salon 7, Cascade Ice, Black Bottle Postern, Lancome USA, and Kind Bars, to name a few, as well as Gunnar Nordstrom's for lending us his fabulous gallery here to, to do the live broadcast from um, uh Jason here brought the vintage sodas as well. So we're very fortunate to show up to one of the Socially Savvy live broadcasts, and you're going to walk away with a whole lot of fun and some goodies to boot. So thank you so much for everybody being a part of the show, and everybody have a Socially Savvy week, and take care. (laughs) 